Awesome. We are in our Out in the Open series. And uh, Helga, please come join me up front. On Thursday night, we had prayer. Uh, I'm not going to ask if you were there to put up your hand because we were a wonderful 18. <laughs> you guys missed uh, the notice. It was prayer on Thursday night. But you know what? We weren't, we weren't phased by the fact that we were only a little handful because we knew that God had an appointment that night. And those who attended the prayer meeting didn't know that they were going to get ambushed by some plans I had. So what we did is we gathered around. Uh, we prayed that the Holy Spirit will show every one of us our reasons to why we are holding back and sharing the gospel. We actually repented of those to one another and said, here are my reasons, here are my reasons. Um, and it was interesting to hear all the reasons we have why we don't speak about Jesus in our society. And once we've repented, we said, now, Lord, give us the boldness to proclaim your word. Uh, we prayed the prayer in Acts chapter 4. And then we went down Beach Road. And we prayed for our basin. And we, some of us ended up praying for people. I wanted Calvin to share the testimony of me and him walking, but he had to work. Well, he's at work this morning. He can't be here. But it was amazing when I walked with Calvin. He first told me a story of a friend of his who just recently passed away. And he had the joy to reach, read, uh, lead this friend to Jesus because he felt the compelling to share the gospel with him. And as we were walking on the beach, there was practically no one on the beach because there was a little bit of rain. Uh, someone whistled, and we turned around, and like we can't really see who it is because it was kind of dark, and we said, well, let's go there. Like This is the Lord setting up those moments, right? We, we cannot miss it because we're praying. We're praying for our city, praying in the Spirit. And then Calvin and I walk there, and it's a guy that he's met last year in November at the gym who just opened up his life and he basically told Calvin, first day he met him, last year in November at the gym, said, I'm in a divorce, my life is a mess. And Calvin kind of connected with him. And since then, they haven't seen one another. And on this night that we go prayer walking to look for people, there's a reconnection. And Calvin's got his number and he's going to follow up with him. Because that's how the Lord sets things up. So I'm going to ask Helga to share their story. And then Shane is also going to share their story. Just of what God did when his people were just faithful in the little simple things of walking the streets of our city and seeing who can we share Jesus with. Helga, please come share your story. Hello, everyone. I've never spoken to Mike before, so excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so as we obeyed and we started walking, um, met, we met a couple of people. So first, you know, I was just walking with my daughter and I was praying. I was telling her, you know, it's important that you pray. And she was Okay, sure, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, she, she walked with me, and she was doing her best, you know, I was praying, and then we met the one guy, and, you know, we prayed for him, he seemed like he was in a hurry, he was excited, but we prayed, he let us pray for him, so we prayed, and he left, and as we started walking uh, again, um, there was a guy who was in a corner, and, and I think uh, Denise, uh, I don't know, uh, yeah, there she is, she, she spotted the guy, so... We went, you know, and she started talking with him, you know, started the conversation, and um, it turned out he was a Muslim guy, um, and yeah, he, he, he let us pray, and Denise led the prayer, and um, he just started talking about himself and what he was going through and, you know, the challenges he was facing. He was just sitting there waiting for lift, somebody to come and fetch him, and he wasn't sure if they were going to come. And, you know, so we just, we prayed for him. And 
Denise just let him speak, you know, we didn't interrupt him when he wanted to talk, he just, you know, shared his life and, and the challenges. And then um, um, Liesl just felt like, you know, he, first she said, um, can we share the gospel with you? And he was, he was a little bit uncomfortable and, and then he said, uh, are you going to sing it? <laughs> Which is weird, so she said, no, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> and then, um, and then we, he just started talking again and, you know, we just let him talk. And then after a while she was like, but do you know Jesus? You know, have you heard of Jesus? And then he, he talked, you know, like, yeah, people have told me about him before, and he's a prophet in the Quran. And, and then I said to him, no, he's the son of God. And he said, oh, yeah. And then just before we left, we finished and we're about to go. And Lisa was like, you know, but just, you know, can we share the gospel? I feel like we need to share the gospel with you, you know? So he said, okay. And then he, he was comfortable by this time. So he said, yeah, you can, you can go ahead, you know? So she just started explaining to him, you know, like, it's, it's, imagine somebody, you're in court and somebody comes there, you have this debt and somebody pays this debt. So he was like, he was in awe, you know, like, in that moment, somebody comes and agrees to pay all your debt and you walk free. So he was just, you know, in awe and he was surprised, you know, because he's heard about this Jesus, but he's, he's never really, really, you know, heard more than that. So we were actually very grateful that he allowed us to, to go further and to tell him because most Muslims, once they say, once you hear that, you know they're going to tell you, okay, you can't tell me anything else, that's it. But we're grateful that, I pray that we've planted a seed and I pray that that seed will continue to grow and I pray that he will get to that point where he will eventually give his life to Christ. That's amazing. Shane, come join me. Yeah, Lord, we pray for this man right now as a community. Lord, we ask that the seed that was planted, that you would bring others to water it and that there would be increase. That this gospel, which does change lives, will change his life. And if these ladies who prayed for him ever get the opportunity to see them again, may they hear the good news, that he has found the good news of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Shane, over to you. Hey, morning, guys. Um... I'm here this morning because someone made the mistake of giving me this. Um, Melinda, I don't know where you are. He's Maina now. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so as Pierre shared, we were asked to sort of just um, walk around, pray for the basin, and connect with people. And when he said that, I felt like, yo, oh, chief, let's go home. Uh, I don't think I'm ready for this. Um, because it was pretty scary, and um, I think the Lord just knew that he needed to uh, help me to actually get to that point as well. So the first time, or the first people that we actually uh, met with, um, we kind of took this whole uh, Jehovah's Witness approach where whoever we see, we're going we're gonna to just share, or we're going to ask if we can pray for them. And um, yeah, so the first... The first uh, uh, Two people that we saw, um, we asked, or my father said, uh, I love Jesus, and um, can I talk to, you, him, talk to you about him? And this lady got so excited. She was like, oh my goodness, are you guys evangelizing right now? <laughs> um, 
because I do this, I do this on my own, and I, I don't have anyone to do this with me. Are you guys going to share the gospel with me? And she's like, yes, we know Jesus. We love Jesus. And it was such an encouraging thing for me being so scared, like, oh, my goodness, people are going to be so uh, weirded out by me, asking if I can pray for them. And this, our first encounter was just this lady. She was actually bouncing. She was so excited. And um, she ended up praying for us. And we had the opportunity to pray for them as well. And it was just such an encouraging thing because um, the, the groups of people that we spoke to afterwards weren't as receptive. And I understand that it's not going to always land. But uh, I think the Lord just knew he needed to kind of encounter us or uh, just interact with us as well. And in sharing the word and praying for others, we were also encouraged. So I just want to say, um, for those that didn't come Thursday, you missed out. Because, uh, yes, the Lord, if you are willing, he will use you to help others. But he's there to encounter you as well. So, yeah. That's great. Thanks, Peter. Awesome. So if you feel like you missed out, I've got good news, and this time we won't ambush you, but on the 30th of this month, our 30th Sunday morning, October, we're not going to gather here, we're going to have Scatter Sunday, we, all of us are going to intentionally go out and connect with people, and we'll tell you more about that next week, and then on the 23rd, to prepare you for this moment. Because we've been going through this, and Byron, you can come and join me, we've been going through this definition of what is the gospel Guys, and at some point, we've got to put that into practice. That's what Jesus said. If you just hear the word and never do it, you're not going to grow. Uh, you're not going to be wise. It's just going to fall on deaf ears. And simple stories, but aren't you encouraged by that? Could you maybe actually try that today when you leave here to say, I'm going to just look at someone and ask if I might pray for them or if they need help or, hey, I love Jesus. Can I tell you about him? Something like that. Um, imagine we had 100 testimonies next week of all of us doing it this week. But that's what this is for. It's to help us be well-versed in what the gospel is so that when we get to this point, we can explain it to people. So let's all read it together. And if you don't have a card, you can come and fetch afterwards. Uh, you can take more than one, but it'll be up on the screen. Let's read the gospel definition together this morning. Let's go. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he is the Son of God and offers the free gift of salvation and the forgiveness of sins to everyone who repents and believes in him. So over the past weeks, we've given opportunity to some of you to share various aspects of this gospel with us. And this morning, Byron is going to share with us about the free gift of salvation and the forgiveness of sins. So over to you. Thanks, Piana. My opening statement is not to be used when we do the next walk. Okay. And this is what, what it is. Imagine this. You're walking down the strand like those people were the other night and somebody comes up to you and he says, tell me, are you going to go to heaven or hell? I mean, in your face, that's <laughs> pretty serious. But it's probably one of the most important questions that can ever be asked or answered. Are you going to heaven 
or you're going to hell. Put bluntly, the Bible says there's a problem. And the Bible calls it sin. In Romans 3 verse 23, we read there where it says that for all have sinned, everybody has sinned and come short of the glory of God. That in Psalms and Ecclesiastes also, it talks about every, every person on earth is a sinner. They're not, not free. And the wages, the payment of this sin, the Bible says in, in uh, Romans 6 verse, 20, 6 verse 23, says that the wages of sin is death. That is hell. It's talking about bluntly hell. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life, talking about heaven through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, so we're looking at this, this free gift that, that, that God offers us. If you think of it, I don't think any of us here are really bad, bad people. But one day when we die, and we go metaphorically stand before the gates of heaven, and the Lord says to you, says yes, and you say, well, I want to come in. He says, well, what's in that little travel bag of yours? Well, there's just, uh, Lord, there's a few little white lies, and there's a, a, a few sort of bad thoughts, and so, but nothing, nothing too bad. You know, I was a pretty good guy down on earth. And uh, the Lord will say, sorry, I call that sin. Bluntly, I call it sin. Inside here, there's no sin. In my heaven, there is no sin. So nobody can come in here with sin. Sorry, you can't come in. It's as plain as that. So the Bible also says in, in Ephesians 2 verse 8, that is, for by grace, God's grace, the goodness, undeserved merit, for by grace have you been saved through faith, through your believing. And that this is not of yourself. This is not what you've done. You haven't deserved it. Not of your good works, in case any of you have reason to boast. So you see that the good works thing that we think so many people believe that would earn us the right to get into heaven, God actually says, this is like filth in my eyes. Compared to my holiness, compared to what I did for you guys, this is like filth in my eyes. I'm sorry, it doesn't cut the cloth. You are not getting into heaven. So there's a huge problem. We all have sinned. The wages of this, the, the sin is, is spiritual death in hell. And that nothing that we can do is ever going to get us into heaven. So there's, there's a huge problem. Way back when Moses was treading in the desert with all his Jewish friends, God would speak to him as man speaks to man, audibly. And he said, look, I want all, you get all these guys to come here once a year. We'll, you send the high priest into the Holy of Holies, and he's going to um, sacrifice a spotless little animal, little lamb. And without the shedding of blood, he decrees, God, there's no forgiveness of sin. So that lamb is going to be slaughtered. The blood will represent the washing away of the sins. We'll sprinkle the people. You'll sprinkle the people with the uh, water and the blood. And they will come in a, 
in an attitude of repentance, abstinence, and um, fasting before me, and I will and I will forgive them. That was the korban that God gave the Jewish people. He took it straight through, all the way right through to when Jesus was born. He realized God knew that there was not one person on earth that could represent the whole of humanity because everybody was sinful. He said, you know what, I'm going to have to do this job myself. I'm going to have to go down onto earth myself, and I'm going to take on the form of man in the, in the, in the form of Jesus of Nazareth. I'm going to be born of a virgin, and I am going to offer up the korban for all of humanity once and for all, and we know that he died on the cross and that he rose again from the dead. That was the once for all korban that, that God performed for us. He didn't wait until we did anything good for him. He said, while you are still sinners, I'm going to come along and I'm going to do this for you. So, Nicodemus, one of the Jewish leaders, came to Jesus and said to him, so how do I get to, how do I get to heaven? Jesus, in talking to him, said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, key point, believeth, key point, in him should never go to hell, never perish, but have heaven forever and ever. And if you think of that, whosoever means whosoever. There's a choice which is involved in whosoever. It's not appointed you will and only you and you. It's whosoever. There's a choice. And believe in him. Do you know what the devil believes in him? The devil believes that he is the son of God, that he rose from the dead. The devil believes all that. Does, is that what the Bible is talking about? Is that what Jesus was talking about? When you're in the street and that, that car's coming towards you and it's coming and it's getting close and it's getting closer and you think, is it going to hit me or isn't it going to hit me? When do you believe that that car's going to hit you? You believe when you dive out of the way, there's no more doubt in your mind, that car's going to hit me. That is believing. There's action in believing. And when we believe, when he's talking about believing in, 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 in Jesus, he's talking about a, an action. It's coming to him. It's confessing your sins. It's bowing the knee before him. It's humbling yourself before him. It's opening your heart to him. It's asking for him to come into your heart. That is what he was talking about in the believing. Okay, I can feel the uh, heat on my side here from, uh, from Pierre. So, aren't I taking the sermon this morning? Okay, all right. Because I can talk the whole morning on this, you know that. Okay, so. When, when we come to Christ, how do we do it? Can I just quickly just do this very fast? Tyler, two other people. I want two other people to come here. I've got th three gifts. Come, two, three, two other volunteers. Come quickly. Come. Pierre's moaning. Come quickly. Tyler, you. Yeah, there we go. Matt. All right, here we go. Just, just have a look at this. Come stand here. Matt, you over there. Face me, face me, face me, face me, face me. All right, yeah, here we go. They're going to get free gifts. I'm going to give you that free gift, okay? What have you done to deserve this? 
Okay, all right. Not good enough. Okay, it's a free gift. Can I go? Just stand there for a moment. There's, the, there's your free gift. What have you done to deserve this? You won your drama competition. Doesn't matter. But there's your free gift. Okay, there's a free gift for you. Yes, please. No, no. This, yeah, here's a free gift for you. Yes, please. Is, is Tyler ever going to get this gift by yes, please? No, what's she got to do? She's got to take it. So, last time, going, going, gone. Here's a free gift for you, Tyler. Thank you. All right, thanks. And now you can go. Okay. And that is what happens. Okay. That is what I did many years ago when I realized that took religion, all the sort of stuff that I had to do that gave me no security, had no um, peace in my heart. I, I was scared death, scared to death to die uh, because I didn't know where I was going to go. It only when I believed, like I've been talking to you about, and bowed the knee and I came to Christ that I'd been given this and I've got so much more to say Pierre but can I just say one more thing <laughs> one more thing just one more okay we've, we've been going through first Peter okay we've been going through first Peter did I have joy in my life in the in those days I've been a happy guy all my life and and, and I've loved life but did I have joy real deep down joy in in first Peter 1 verse 8 and 9 it says though you have not seen him you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious what? Joy. Joy. Why? Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that's what it's all about. I want to just say to you, you can recognize me easily in a crowd. Uh, and I won't tell you why, but outside afterwards, come and talk to me. I would love to help you. If you cannot answer that question, are you going to heaven or hell? You cannot say, I believe, I know, I know, I know, and I'm going to heaven one day when I die. Please come and talk to me afterwards. Please do that. I'm an approachable guy, and I will be able to, and I'd love to help you. Thank you, Pierre. Finished. All right. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for, for this morning. Thank you for the excitement that we can feel. Thank you that, that we can be a witness this morning to, to what you have done, to, that we can listen to stories and, and just hear your heart, how you, you want us to to share what you have done for us because you love people. Father God, this morning, please open our ears and our hearts so that we can hear the message that you want to give us to this morning. Amen. Now, I have found that um, when we're doing an eight-week series on the same book, um, it gets more and more difficult to sound clever. Especially if you like preacher number six, because by now all of you know everything about the author, the audience, the context, the history, and all of that. So I decided that we are going to keep it simple. We are just going to focus on the letter. Now, some of you here are old enough to um, have 
remember the time where we still received handwritten letters in the post box. Maybe it was your chore to open the post box and collect the mail. The joy of finding that one handwritten envelope between the printed ones. The excitement of seeing your own name on the front and the name of a loved one at the back. A grandma or uncle that didn't live in your town. A friend that moved away. The urge to open the envelope right there and then next to the post box. And the control it took to go all the way to a quiet spot and opening it there. I want us to do an exercise this morning. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to to see that letter, to feel it in your hand. I want you to see your name in cursive on the back of the envelope. Smell the ink. Feel the indentation of the letters on the paper. And let me read it to you. Finally, all of you have a unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you do suffer from righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. I received a letter like this once. It was a few days just before my final year of school started in matric. One of my mom's friends wrote me a letter. Just, just a tip, um, it's 15 months before Anika starts matric. So my friends, take a note, write a poem, write a letter. My friend knew me, oh, my mom's friend knew me. She, she knew some of the struggles I faced in relationships. She knew how my big mouth often got me into trouble. She had three children older than me, And she had a a good idea of the challenges I was about to face that year. The letter was also oddly titled, like the letter of Peter, to the leader of 1998. It makes me 42. I'm just sparing you the math. (laughs) 
In the letter, she reminded me of where I came from. She reminded me of who I am. And she pointed me to Jesus to tell me that there is that that is where I would find my help and my hope for that year. 2,000 years ago, Peter wrote a letter to a minority community in Turkey, people that felt a bit forgotten maybe. And this morning, he's talking to us. Listen how this letter is starting, this portion of Scripture. It says, finally, all of you. I want to challenge you this morning that whether you are like practically one of the founding fathers like Dennis and Lindy or the prophetic voice like Joni, an intercessory pillar like Auntie Anne, a guest, maybe you are just too angry at your previous church leaders and you cannot face them yet or your parents or your wife made you come this morning. It doesn't matter why you are here. Maybe you think that God sent you to the Western Cape or you sent yourself here. If you are here this morning, this letter is for you. And this is what God is saying. Peter is reminding us that God is calling us to be a witness. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. What is a witness? Usually, we hear about witnesses in formal settings. Something happened. There's an investigator and he is trying to get behind the truth of it. You had to be there to be able to be a witness. You had to see what happened. I looked at various definitions of witnesses, and I like this one. It says someone who, either voluntarily or under compulsion, provides testimonial evidence about something. A person that can describe an event because he or she was present and perceived what happened and received the action perceived what happened, and received the action. In our case, what does it mean? A serious incident took place. An event that changed history forever. An event that took us from being into this world and made us resident aliens. In this world, but not from this world. We needed to be at the cross. To be able to witness, we had to be there. We had to witness what God did for us. We had to perceive. We had to receive. Our hearts needed to witness Christ as Lord. Maybe one of the biggest reasons why you are here this morning is because you never witnessed the cross. You've heard the stories about Jesus. You grew up with it. You even take communion. You pray for your food, even in restaurants. But you were a bystander. You never accepted. You never allowed it to change your life. Therefore, you cannot witness to it because you never witnessed. 
in your heart, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Jesus is saying to you, see what I have done for you so that you can be a witness. Can you remember how the English language works? Especially in the Bible, we read a passage telling us to do this and reminding us of what we, how we should be and how we should live. And then there's a but. A word right in the middle signaling that this is what it's all about. But honor Christ as Lord. What did we witness at the cross? The gospel. We just read it, but I'm going to read it again for you. The good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation to those who repent and believe in him. Our response to this, if we witnessed at the cross, is to accept him as Savior and Lord. And we respond by living our lives for him, witnessing what he has done for us. Peter is reminding us to live a lifestyle that's witnessing about God. The other day in my car, I was listening to the radio and the DJs was joking about the fact that if you are able to survive in South Africa, that is worthy of being put on your CV. They were talking about things like just driving in our country within load shedding and potholes and road rage and street vendors and stuff like that. And sometimes I do think it is a skill. But this made me think, what if the moment we write follower of Jesus on a CV, our pr prospective employer would know that that would mean that we would contribute to the unity of my, um, mind in a company. What if he knew that that would mean that we will bring sympathy and brotherly love? What if that would mean that we won't always compete for the best position and be assertive like the world, world calls us to be, but we will respond with grace? And blessing. Are you living that way? Do you go about every day facing the, the challenges, be it small things like neighborly discord or load shedding or big things like financial struggles, inequality, poverty? Do you live in a way that you portray hope. If Peter is reminding us and calling us to, to give an answer to the hope that is in us, is that hope even visible in your life? Do you say, sound the same as everyone around you? What are your reactions to, to the realities of life? What is your attitude to the struggles and slowness of getting things done in our community? In our country? How do you manage your finances? Do you plan frantically to keep your family standing and at least keep an eye on the Joneses? Or do you give freely with hope to the need in front of you? Because 
God is sovereign because Jesus is going to take care of me. Do you live in a way that stirs up hope in others? Pete is reminding us that the only way how we can live like this is if we remember why we live like this. He quotes from Psalm 32. Whoever desires to love life and see good days. Come on. Who doesn't want a good life and love and good days? We all want it. And Peter's answer is so simple and so different to what the world is telling us. He's saying, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Do you enjoy the comments of social media posts and participate in that? Do you turn away from evil? Being it visual content, books, movies. Are you building bridges and pursuing peace? Or do you use phrases like, let me just put it out there? Because it's a fact, isn't it? The why to our how is in verse 12. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Our answer to love, life, and good days is to live righteous before God. That's why we live a life that witness, a life that stirs up hope. It's a response to what he has done. Peter's reminding us to be, to have a readiness to worship. Ah, to worship, to witness, to worship as well. I paused for a long time on this. See, I, I did witness the cross. I believed it changed my life. I understand the theology. I know the gospel. God has gifted me to put the gospel in simple words so that kids can understand it. I have to know how. But the readiness to, to witness is not about the know-how. It's about the presentness. The reason why I pause on this is because of how I am wired. I like being alone. I like both the, the noisiness and the quietness of my own thoughts. I like to be a bystander in situations, observing but not participating. I spoke to a friend the other day, and she's wired the same way, and she said, when I'm on an airplane, I want my neighbor to see this. Not open to small talk or conversation. How then do I go against my wiring to be obedient to what God is calling me? I ask Holy Spirit to remind me of who I am. The elect, a chosen people, called to witness. I ask Holy Spirit to remind me of where I came from. The brokenness, the loneliness, before I witnessed the cross. I ask Holy Spirit to remind me of the daily grace I receive to navigate this life with hope. I ask Holy Spirit to remind me of the good news I witnessed at the cross. 
and how he changed my life. And I open my eyes on the plane and I make eye contact in ShopRite. A humbleness, that witness. One of my biggest failures as a preschool teacher, although it was 100% unintentional, was around a little boy called Dimpo. So I was new to, to this preschool and, and new to teaching, and it was the beginning of the year. I think it was about day two or three, and the vote was still out on my success of my previous day, this success, if it was successful. When a boy came around the corner, Kumu, I met him the previous day, and he came running, and I'm like, okay. And I immediately went down on his level, and he threw his arms around my neck. And I almost had a chance to celebrate this victory when Dimple came around the corner. And when he saw Kumu in my arms, he hesitated. I saw his hesitation. But in my hastiness and inexperience, I wanted to ask him, don't you want a hug? But I said the following words. I said, not you, Dimpo, in question form. But he burst into tears. For a minute, I didn't understand what was going on. And the assistant explained to me that he thought that I told him not to come. The total opposite of what I wanted to achieve. The story is evident of that, how we sometimes have the good intention and, and the wrong words in our clumsiness and, and just awkwardness. Peter is telling us, urging us to be ready to share the hope that lives in us. He's calling us to be ready to explain the hope with gentleness and respect. If we are called to live in a total different way, we need to navigate with gentleness and respect. I want to tell you another story. I was a young mom of a, um, a boy with a, a very strong internal sense of what needed to happen and when it needed to happen. And a very persuasive voice to use when it didn't happen his way. And a mom to a, a fun-loving, friendship-seeking little Goldilocks, three-year-old girl. And this particular story I want to tell you about was um, we were at a, a discipleship group. We called it Connect Group. We call, in this church, we call it Follow Groups. And we were new in church. I really wanted to impre impress my friends, my new friends. I wanted to show them what good parent I am and how in control of my situation and my children and all of that. And at the stage, this boy was showing me that the window of happiness was closing. But little Goldilocks was still very busy playing with her blocks and her blocks that's her friends. And, and I, um, I wanted to leave while, while I was still a good mom. And I was like, um, Nix, 
quickly back up the blocks for mom. So did we can go. No reaction. It's like, um, Annika, let's quickly back up because it's time to leave. No reaction. I was facing a dilemma. I was keeping my eye to see how much time we have left. And um, we, I'm with my Christian friends now, my church friends, and we all believe in first-time obedience. I never forgot where we were. <laughs> and um, I was standing there and, and didn't know exactly what to do. And I was reminded about this advice, parenting advice I got from Hetty Brits that went directly against who I am, I wanted to be, and, um, but it spoke a lot about how you approach little Goldilocks kind of fun-loving children. And I was contemplating, should I go there? Should, and I really didn't want to. I really didn't want to be embarrassed in front of my church friends. And I think, I, I think it was the Holy Spirit, but in a last resort, I said something like this. Oh, Anika, all the blocks are so sad. Just help them to get back to their mommy in the crate. And she said, oh no. And she immediately responded and packed away all the blocks. The funny thing about this situation is to this day, I cannot remember my friend's reaction. Because it was all about the moment between me and Annika. The moment I responded with meekness and gentleness and, and didn't think of myself, although it was maybe accidental, too much and was the least in the situation, she responded so beautifully. You see, when, when God is calling us to be a witness, we are so focused about the situation, our potential embarrassment, our agenda, our awkwardness, and we forget that it's about an opportune moment between people. A moment where someone can witness the cross and receive and respond. If we want to witness to what Jesus did in our lives, we need to come as Jesus came. We need to linger in situations that goes against our wiring. And be humble enough to pause, to listen, to react. Eight years ago, our family, the Douglanators, received a prophecy. It was a, a message of hope in a time where we didn't really experience a lot of hope. We were not hopeless, but not hopeful. I know it's not a word, but we were not hopeful. 
And we got this message. And, and three years later, we painted our house. Bright turquoise. In a response to this prophecy. In a time where everybody else was painting their house in, houses in, in classic, sophisticated gray and sand colors, we went bright. It, it certainly gave us a lot of attention, reaction. We got a few opportunities of sharing the real meaning behind the color. But we got the most comments after we painted our house a more subtle gray. More compliments. See, we are doing this series out in the open. As Christians in a non-Christian society. With a discernible different lifestyle. We will stand out. In a life, in a world where everybody is supposed to be tolerant and conform and compromise, we are called to stand out. This will give us opportunity to testify and to witness, but it will also give us the, put us in a position where we will receive maybe negative comments. Peter concludes, I paraphrase, live in a way that you honor Christ and be ready to witness about your different lifestyles so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. I want to leave you this morning with three questions. Do you remember that event? What you witnessed at the cross? Did you accept the happenings and allowed your life to be forever changed by it? My second question, did you respond to the, to the event by making Jesus Christ Lord over your life? His Lordship giving you a discernible lifestyle that stirs up hope. And lastly, are you ready to explain the hope in your heart with gentleness and respect? Even if it do bring discomfort or suffering. Because you're believing that you are living in God's will. I want you all, invite you all to stand. and Let me pray for us. Father God, this morning, I want to stand with my own, own open hands and arms and say, Father God, we witnessed the cross. I remember that moment. I remember what you have done for me, but sometimes when, when I live, when I navigate through the challenges of life, I forget where I come from. Father God, this morning, will you please remind me of who I am? 
Will you please remind me of, of where I come from? Will you please remind me of the, the things you said over my life and the, and the grace and, and the love and your, your forgiveness? Father God, and please help me to, to look up, to look people in the eye with that same love, with that same grace, with that same forgiveness, with that same patience. Father God, will you help me to, to respond to whatever you, life is throwing me with, with gentleness and respect for the people around me? Father God, help me to remind me that I cannot do anything without you. You are Lord of my life. And you can lo be Lord of everyone around me. God, not only because they need you so, but because you are worthy of their praise. Father God, please help me that when I walk out of this building, this word will continue to shape my heart and shape my life. Amen. Thank you, Melindy. I appreciate, if I look over this service, just the thread of stories that we heard today. And I want to leave you with this thought. What story are you going to write with Jesus this week as you go out there to be a witness, to be ready to give a defense to the hope that you carry, that we sang about, that we heard about, that we prayed about in this week. And I bless you with an opportune moment for you and someone else so that you can share this message with the world. Have an amazing week. Please hang out for some coffee. If you want to chat to Byron, please do. If you want to chat to any of our leaders, we would love to meet you. And um, if you want to register for 3D Sunday, please do so. We'll see you next week after the service. Goodbye.